Welcome, everyone. We're so glad to have you with us. What a joy and a blessing to be able to worship together. We've been really, really impacted by these YouTube services, hearing from people in and spread out throughout our region, but also spread out around the world who are telling us that they're finding these services and they're being able to, to worship together with us. What a joy and a blessing that even in this season, we can be apart, but the Spirit's knitting us together. A joy and a blessing that all of us can worship together and grow together. We'll be continuing our, our commands of Christ, following the commands of Christ series this morning. We have taken this series, we have founded it, and rested it on this idea that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Lord. He's the one who's our God. He's the one who we follow. He's the one who we bow down to. Jesus is Lord. He's the one whose life we look at as an example of how to live and love and to please God. He's the one whose life gives us lessons. So when we go to Jesus, we go to him not only as our source to get information, but we go to him as the one we will bow down to, as the one we will follow. If you've been tracking with us, you've been going through this series, but just like a quick reminder, if you haven't, uh, or if you missed one of the sermons in the series, please go back um, and check them out. We've talked about several commands now. We've talked about Jesus' command to repent, Jesus' command for us to follow him, for us to be salt and life, for us to love our neighbor, for us to, to go and make disciples of the nations, for us to, to be graceful. Last week, we talked about loving our enemies. And today we're going to focus on treasures in heaven, storing up treasures in heaven. Now, throughout this command, you see Jesus doing several things. You know, it's not just Jesus commanding us, but you see how he's able to, to begin where we are, you know, start with what we understand, build on it to take us to where he wants us to be and to teach something new. These commands are also coming from his kingdom that is both here and it's coming. So these values, these principles are principles of Jesus that he invites us into following because in following them, we can bring that kingdom down to earth. We can make on earth as it is in heaven possible. Now, this command this morning is a little bit different than the other two. It's not a parable. It is in the Sermon on the Mount. But instead of it being, you know, just starting where we are and taking us to somewhere new, this is really advice. You know, in some cultures, they'll say, oh, this is a word, right? Jesus is giving us a word here um, about something that I would consider just the reality. And that reality is all of us in this life, we are either storing up treasures in heaven or storing up treasures on earth. That's it. That's the reality that Jesus wants us to see. We're either living fully for God and his glory or are living for ourselves in glory that will pass away like all the things of this world. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, I'll be reading verses 19 to 24. Before we get into the word, I'd just like to invite us for a quick prayer. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your example, for your life, for your witness. We thank you so much for this command, which reminds us that we're either living for you or living for ourselves. We're either living for your kingdom or living for this world. We're either serving you fully or serving ourselves or, or things that won't last. So God, we pray now that as we hear this word, that you open our hearts, open our minds, help us to not only hear what you want to say, but spirit transform us, Father hold us, Lord carry us. In your holy and precious name, Lord we pray, amen. So I'll be reading Matthew 6 verses 19 to 24, starting in verse 19. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. 
But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know, it's been referenced already in the service, but... A couple weeks ago, we had this Wednesday night Zoom prayer meeting. Again, that's another thing I'd like to invite you to come check out. Every Wednesday night, we pray together on Zoom from 7 to 8 our time. So if you need more information, contact us. We'd love to get that to you. We'd love for you to join us. But during this prayer meeting, you know, I just felt, you know, part of planning the prayer meeting that night was we had this question of just looking at spiritual investment, thinking about all those people who have invested and poured into us. And we, we, we shared testimony and witness to that. And then we prayed for those people and give thanks to God for that. But in the second half is we thought about, you know, people in our lives right now that we're pouring and investing in. And then we prayed for that too, to God to, to bless those relationships. And that got me to thinking about this treasures in heaven because I think that when we think about spiritual investment, we have to realize that all of us are products and dividends of spiritual investment. Now, we're going we're gonna to use a little bit of businessy language here, but I think that's important because I think Jesus uses businessy language in this passage. Now, first of all, we're a product of the spiritual investment of the Trinity, of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. A product is, is, you know, something that is the result of the action of others. We are spiritually invested in by Jesus, our Christ, the one who spoke the world into existence, yet entered into time and space, the one who gave up heaven for a time to, to come to earth to show us how to live and how to love and how to please God, the one who gave himself up on Calvary's tree so that we can come home again, the one who now sits in heaven and works to make heaven perfect for us. Jesus and what he's done has made a product of our faith possible. But we're also product of what the Spirit's done. The scripture reminds us that the Spirit is the one who leads us and draws us back to God, is the one who illuminates not only scripture but our lives, is the one who connects the dots, if you will. The Spirit now lives inside of us and is transforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. So all of us are products of the Spirit as well. And we're products of the investment of the Father. God the Father who made the plan for salvation. God the Father who sent the Son. God the Father who leads the spirit as a down payment, if you will, of all those things to come. We are a product of the work of our God, but we're also dividends, right? Now, dividend is a, my, my, my little understanding of finances will say dividends is really your net reward. You know, when companies have investments or when companies have shareholders, at the end of the year, if they've made profit, right, there's a net reward that goes to, to all the beneficiaries, all the shareholders. And what I mean by we are the dividend is that not only are we rewarded by the work that Jesus has done, the Spirit is doing, the Father has done, but we are rewarded by the work of all those saints in our lives, those Christians who've invested into us. We are their dividend. We are part of their spiritual inheritance because as they poured into us, as we've grown in the faith, as we are now serving Jesus, we are their reward or part of their reward. We are the fruit of their investment. 
But here's the joy of dividends, is that dividends don't just go in your pocket. Dividends can sometimes get reinvested in the company. And that's why this cycle is so important, because as we've been poured into, Jesus expects us, and maybe even those who've mentored us, they expect us as well to pour into others. And just like a dividend gets built back into the uh, company to rebuild the country, uh, company and make it stronger, when we reinvest in others, when we, the dividend, reinvest in others, we're able to not make a country or a company greater. We're able to expand the kingdom of God. We, by spiritual investment of the Father, the Son, the Spirit, by our mentors who've gone before, we are both the product of their work, but also the dividend of their work. And that's why it's important to understand this cycle of spiritually investing in others. I had a mentor years ago who said this image to me and it just stuck with me. And what he said was simply this, we are all supposed to think of ourselves as a pitcher. And just like that pitcher is filled with water, we can't do anything on our own. So we need God to pour into us. We need others to pour into us, to fill us up so that we can grow to life. But the very same way, we that pitcher as we're filled up should be pouring into others as God is pouring into them because as we pour into others as we pour into others the kingdom expands they grow in their love of God they grow in their service of God so it's this cycle of us being poured into and us being poured out of into others and that's how this is supposed to work Jesus says it like this in um Acts 1.8, you know, I looked at the two things Jesus said before he left. First in Matthew 28, he calls all of us to what? Go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them, yes, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, but also teaching them to obey everything he has commanded us. So all of us, Jesus essentially says to his disciples, I have poured into you. Now I need you to pour into others. And then in Acts 1.8, remember what he says right before he goes up to heaven, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be what? My witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the earth. Jesus, before he goes up, says, you will now represent me to the world. You will now take what I've shown you, what I've taught you, what I've poured into you, and pour it out locally, regionally, and nationally. And those same challenges go to us too. We're all to be making disciples. We're all to be teaching our world what God has taught us. We're all supposed to be obeying what Christ has commanded, but we are all also called to be his witnesses locally, physically where we are, regionally where we are, and yes, even to our world. Our spiritual investment is how this thing is supposed to work. As God pours into us, as others have poured into us, we are to pour in to others because that spiritual investment leads to spiritual inheritance. And I remember years ago, Bernardo Michael preached a sermon on spiritual inheritance, and it's always stuck with me because a lot of times in this life when we think about inheritance or we think about the future, we think at it from an earthly point of view. But spiritual inheritance says, what am I storing up in heaven to come? What is the spiritual inheritance that I want to pass down, not only to my children or those under my influence, but to everyone I come in contact with? What is my 
spiritual inheritance. Now, it's important for us to know that ultimately, we will realize this when we get to heaven. Ultimately, we will be in heaven. We'll get the crowns, if you will. We will get the, the well done, good and faithful servant. But most of all, we will get to be with Jesus forever. But I also think that spiritual inheritance, we can taste it today. You know, God has left the Holy Spirit as a down payment of the things to come. That's part of our spiritual inheritance. But I also think that those who have poured into us, those who have gone before, they serve as our crowd of witnesses. I think of, you know, people like my father who I'll see again, or people even in this church that we've lost in the last couple of years. I think of Brother Bart. I think of those people who've gone before, who have poured into us, who are now in heaven cheering us on, now in heaven being our crowd of witnesses, now in heaven praying, for, praying with us and praying for us. I think about them as part of our spiritual inheritance. But then also, there's a crowd of witnesses that's also left with us here on earth. I think about the mentors now who are still praying for you, investing in you, um, uplifting you, growing you, and, and asking God to continue to use you. We have that inheritance now as well. And then the last importance of all this spiritual investment is that I believe is that ultimately it doesn't just lead to treasures in heaven. And we'll get to that in a bit. But I think it leads to kingdom life. Paul reminded the people he wrote to that, you know what, some of us might find the seed. Some of us might plant the seed. Some of us might even water the seed. But it's God who grows us all. And it's a reminder to us that as we invest in one another, as we disciple one another, as we grow one another, it is us, no, it is the spirit that finds the people in our lives. It's the spirit that takes what we plant into them. And it's the spirit that reminds us that God is the one who's going to grow and water. So we don't know where people are on the journey. We just know that we are to be faithful. We are to be faithful in how we serve them, how we love them, how we disciple them, how we point them to Jesus, how we call them to live for Jesus. Because by investing in them, God will grow others and God will grow his kingdom. I think now that we have a basis of this cycle, understanding how God has poured into us, understanding the value of others who've poured into us, wrapping it up with the need for us to not only take these things, but to pour out into others. I think now we're ready to understand what Jesus means by store up treasures in heaven. He begins the passage pretty straightforward, telling you not to store up treasures uh, of anything on earth where moth and vermin destroy. And the message here is pretty straightforward. Earthly treasure can be stolen. It can be destroyed. You know, some translations translate that word that we take for vermin here as rust. It can be rusted. So whether it's your money, whether it's your, your, your status, whether it's even your health, your education, your citizenship, all the things that this world values that's apart from God, at any given point, we can lose it all. It can be stolen. It can be destroyed. It can be rusted. Earthly treasure is temporary. 
That's the word from Jesus this morning. Do not let your life be based for things that won't last. Do not let your life and all that you work for, all that you live for, all that you pour your energy into be for things that will not last. Because all earthly treasure is temporary, it's fleeting, and even worse than temporary and fleeting, it is a horrible, horrible master and Lord. If your education is your Lord... That's a horrible God to have. If your money is your Lord, that's a horrible God to have. If your status or your citizenship, I'm a citizen of this country or that country, if that's your Lord and the most important thing to you, that is also a horrible God to have. And within this passage, I think what we miss when we talk about treasures in heaven, we miss Jesus' critique of our materialism, which I think we need to hear as we think about what it means to store up treasures in heaven, because we live in a world and a society of what? Bigger, better, faster. We have these appetites inside of us that want more, 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 or that want new, new, new. And Jesus, it seems to not just be critiquing, don't put your energies and your effort and your life into these things that pass yes they're going to be horrible gods and horrible masters but also know that your materialism does not look like me if your life is only about bigger better faster for you it doesn't look like Jesus. If your life is only about what's, what's newest gadget or what's the new, 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 new that you can have, it's not necessarily about Jesus. If your life is just about consumption, it's just about accumulation, Jesus seems to be telling us here, if you're living just to accumulate, you will never know true joy or true happiness because you will never be satisfied. And there's nothing this world can give us that will satisfy us like what Jesus can give us. Do not make your life's work about the things that pass. Do not sell yourself short, giving up your life to those things that pass as well, to those excesses of the world that will never fill you up. Instead, work for things that last. Choose heaven over earth. Choose heavenly treasure that can't be stolen, that can't be destroyed, that can't be eaten by vermin, that can't rust. True love. Choose loving the way Jesus loved others. Choose witness. Live the way Jesus lived. Point others to Jesus. Choose growth, spiritual growth, investing in people, seeing God work and move in their lives, and seeing yourself grow as well. Heavenly treasure is secure, it's safe, and that value only grows. You know, years ago, a lot of people know this, but maybe not people in the church don't know this. Years ago, I worked at a Hollister store in Lancaster, Park City, and I actually got the job as a joke, you know? I was visiting, or I was living in Lemoyne, actually, at the time, and I had some friends who were like, you should get a job, and I was like, that's a good idea. I need a job, you know? That's what you do now, we're adults, and, and one of my friends jokingly was like, Hank, you should totally go work at Abercrombie, and I was like, you know, I don't know if I've ever seen a black person in that store, but I'll do this, because I'm curious what they're going to do. 
But here's the thing that, that kind of surprised me, to be honest. I did have a marketing degree. I had worked at a marketing company in Philadelphia. And, and the interview was ended up being a little bit more serious than I thought it would be. And it went a little, well, I don't say, it went way better than I thought it would be. And instead of, you know, going in as a joke and trying to make it awkward for everyone, because that was my big thing. It was just like, why don't black people come to your store? That's the only question I wanted to ask. By the end of the interview, I was offered not only a job, but I was offered the chance to, 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 you know, help run the store, right? And I was super excited about this. But I think what I remember all these years later is not the training program I was in now, so it's the last 90 days, and then my supervisor quit, and it was just like, here you go, good luck, right? But I think what I remember all these years later is the spiritual inheritance from that store. You know, there were, there were kids who, I was a kid too myself, I was 21 years old, but there's, there's other young adults who worked with me in that store. And I still keep in touch with some of them. And I'm amazed by the things they've done. And I go back and I always tell people, I think that was my official youth pastor job, my first ever youth pastor job. Because there's kids who I walked with in that store who are now working for Christian nonprofits, who are now working in churches, who are now serving as missionaries, who are now in business but using their business in ways to serve God. And I'm not saying that I'm the reason any of that happened. But I'm saying for that space of their life, we had these conversations and time together where we were able to invest in each other, see what it means to follow Jesus. And part of that inheritance is them seeing Jesus in a new way and growing in him. You know, our first ever missions trip at this church, our international missions trip is we went to Costa Rica years ago. And I love looking back. I have a picture, and it's funny looking at the kids now because now they're adults, right? But it's funny looking at this picture, and I love this picture we have on our fridge at home. I think we had about 24, 25 of us on that trip. And I love looking at their faces and seeing how they've grown in the faith, of seeing how they're living for the Lord, of seeing what God is doing in their lives. That's the kind of heavenly treasure we need to be living for. That's the kind of heavenly treasure that God calls us to be investing in. Because Jesus says as well, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What we invest in reveals our true treasure. So the question becomes, what are we investing in? If you were to do an account of your week, where did all of your hours go? Where did all of your energy go? Where did all of your time go? We all talk about how we're so busy and we don't have enough time. Where is it all going? And is it going for things that don't last or is it going for the kingdom? It's a harsh question, but it's a necessary question that Jesus is going to ask us this morning, this evening, this afternoon, but also for the rest of your life. Where is your energy going? Because what you're investing in is going to reveal what you truly treasure. And in the second half of that question, after we do the assessment, I think the Spirit is going to move us to a place where the Spirit says, now who are you investing in? Who are you pouring into to reveal not only spiritual investment, but spiritual inheritance, but who are you investing in? Because your heart will always find home in what you value. And what you're giving your time, your skills, your gifts, your abilities, your resources, what you're pouring into, that's what you truly treasure. So are you willing to reassess? Are you willing to step back? Are you willing to say, God, where can I invest in your kingdom? Who can I pour into to help them along on this journey? 
And then Jesus has this middle passage that's a little bit tricky for us, right? Because he talks about storing up treasures in heaven and, and living for God fully and not living for earth. And then he has this line about the eye being the lamp of the body, about how healthy eyes are, are full of light and, and unhealthy eyes are full of darkness. And, and, and if the light within you is dark, how can, great is that darkness? And it's a very tricky passage for us. And there's some people who will say that, you know, that ancient understanding of, of the eyes and how light happens to the eyes is different. But I think we're actually helped here by the fact that the word that he uses for healthy eyes speaks more about generosity than it does about light and darkness. It speaks more about are you generous or are you stingy? And I think what we have to hold up here is that as Jesus is talking about storing up treasure, as Jesus is talking about investing, as Jesus is talking about inheritance, he wants us to know that we are called to be generous. And that's just not financially only. We're called to be generous with our time, with our skills, with our gifts, with our abilities. For example, if there is something God has gifted you to do, you should be doing it for the kingdom. Plain and simple. If God has given you a gift, you should be using it for the kingdom. Now, it doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing, what's happening in life. When God has given you a gift, be generous with your gift. Because Jesus seems to bless those who are generous with their gifts. But those of us who are stingy with the things that God's given us, those of us who are not using or walking in the light of Jesus and, and using those gifts God's given us, we do not look like Jesus. And as we've seen throughout this series, we either look like Jesus or we look like the world. We're either following our father in heaven or we're following our father who's the devil. Jesus says that time and time again in the gospels. Remember, our God loves everyone. Our God cares for everybody. Our God provides for everyone. So the call for us is, how are we loving the people around us? How are we caring for the people around us? How are we providing for the people around us? Because all of us have been blessed by God so that we can be a blessing. We have been graced by God so that we can be a grace to our world. We have been loved by God so that we can go out and love our world. God is our example. Jesus is our example. The Spirit is our example. How are we living generously? How are we using our gifts to bless others? And I think the, 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 the final verse sums it up. Now, a lot of times people pull this verse and they talk about, you know, you can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and money. The Greek talks about not just money, but possessions, which I think is a good generalization because Jesus is Lord. That's it. If anything else in your life is Lord, you will not look like Jesus. The call here is love God or love the world. Love God who blesses you or love the blessings he's blessed you with. Love God or the world. Choose wisely. You know, in the Brethren in Christ, we talk about this idea of living simply. And I love it because it points us back to, I think, the essence of this passage. And our, our core value of living simply as brethren in Christ, we talk about how when we choose to live simply, when we choose to live for God, we're able to have uncluttered lives. And when we lead these uncluttered lives, we're able to love 
boldly. And when we love boldly, we're able to give generously. And when we give generously, we're able to serve joyfully. And I love that because simple living isn't just, you know, how can I downsize? Simple living isn't just, oh, materialism is bad. Simple living is how do I live in a way that all my possessions, everything that I own, all that I am, all my skills, my gifts, my abilities, all my man, man, how do I live that it's not the one that owns me? It's not the things I'm fighting to hold on to, but instead it's the things I hold loosely. Because if I'm uncluttered, I'm able to not only look at those things, but I'm able to gift those things to others. That empowers me and helps me to love them boldly that empowers me to give generously, that empowers me to serve joyfully. I love that as brethren in Christ, our call to live simply isn't a call to just downsize, but it's a call to live and love like Jesus. It's a call to store treasures in heaven. It's a call to assess and say, God, what am I pouring my energy into? Is it for the kingdom or is it for the world that won't last? It's a call to say, God, how have you graced me so I can grace others? How have you gifted me so I can gift others? How have you loved me? so I can love others. We live in a world, we live in the here and now of a kingdom that's at hand, but a kingdom that hasn't fully been realized. But sisters and brothers, if we're willing to follow the heed, if we're willing to heed and follow the word that Jesus gives us this morning, if we're willing to say this afternoon, this evening, if we're willing to say to ourselves, I will live to store up my treasure in heaven. I will live fully for Jesus. I believe that we will not only spiritually invest in those around us, we will not only see the inheritance of those around us, I believe that we won't just have to look forward to the crown someday, but I believe that even in this life now, we will make on earth as it is in heaven possible. Because when you pour into others, God will take that seed, God will plant that seed, God will water that seed, and God will grow that seed for his kingdom. That's the work. That's why we store up treasure. Not just for the, the, the things we'll get at the end, but for right now that God can move, that God is moving, and that God will move. Amen? Amen. God bless you all.